Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hello everybody and welcome back to, what is this, part three? Part three? Of the most disappointing films of 2020. We're well into 2021 now and the world is already crumbling beneath our feet. I mean, I guess it didn't really stop. But we're still here, still talking about last year. And this is part two, part three. (laughs) Part two of this one recording session, but part three of most disappointing of 2020. Overall, uh, so as usual, you can find time codes in the description of what we talk about and when we talk about it. And you can also find links to uh, mine and Richard's letterbox rankings of the 2020 films, subject to change as we watch more films from 2020, I guess. Um, Yeah, so stick around. The the episode's going to start with us moving on from talking about I'm Thinking of Ending Things to some other Netflix movies, which is why it starts with... So, other uh, while speaking of Netflix, so that, that explains that for you and i'll see you guys at the end for a little wrap up because this episode also ends very abruptly speaking of uh, netflix releases we had two controversial ones come out on the same day september 9th um first off was the social dilemma did you guys watch this no i'm sure you heard about it though Everyone yeah. in the world told me it was really good, except for you, Richard. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to watch it because <laughs> I actually trust Richard more than everyone else in the world. So I, I actually, I got um, I got called by a group of boomers who want, who like have like, we have a men's group and we meet monthly and we're thinking of <laughs> watching, we're thinking of watching because I work as a communications manager, yeah. like they were like, you know about social media. Would you be willing to come and talk to us about the social dilemma? And I was like, absolutely not. So <laughs> you make it sound like the stonecutters from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's the documentary that everyone at your work um, said, oh, yeah, I've deleted Facebook. Because um, have you watched The Social Dilemma? <laughs> um, and it's like, and, and everyone's like, watch it. It'll change your life. Oh and it's God. like, I've never been so affected by a documentary. I watched this. I thought it was the stupidest fucking shit I've ever seen. Because you like, work in social media. You 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 well, already understand how the sausage is made. But um, I mean, I don't work in social media. Well, I don't know where anymore. you got like, that from. You, you manage your works like uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But um, I, like, that, that was the best review that I heard of this. Was I saw a Twitter review that was like, all these people talking about what the social dilemma is revealed to them and it's like did you guys not already know yeah this? that's the I, thing like- yeah so so like this this is a a quite an interesting 30 minute documentary that they've added an extra hour to and so <laughs> it, it's like it's these interviews of people who talk about like yeah we design it so that you keep on looking at it and people are going like oh fuck did you know that like the ads are targeted to you and like they want you to keep looking at ads it's like 
yeah, I fucking did know that. Like, yeah. And I'm it, sorry, it is Grant people- from accounting. Are you just learning now that Facebook and social media is evil? So yeah. did, didn't it's- Army it's- Hammer it's- as two people tell us this? <laughs> <laughs> um, we learned this 10 but- years ago. <laughs> so it does have, <laughs> it does have a few... Um, like quite interesting interviews with people who are like, I've left this now because it was so corrupt and I tried to mention this. Um, but then, my God, and I cannot believe nobody mentioned this to me before I watched the film. Um, but it cuts to these like dramatizations oh. of um, a young kid who's addicted, this family, the kids are addicted to their phones and um, the... Uh, so the, the son like ends up scrolling through his phone and gets um, involved with like the alt center or the radical center, I think they're called <laughs> something. And it's like, and then, and then it cuts to inside his phone where there's three guys standing there looking at a hologram of him and they go, oh, looks like he hasn't been engaged in a few days. Let's send him a notification that this girl is going to a party. That ought to get him looking. And it's like, Oh my! And then he ends up getting arrested for going to an alt center uh, rally, and oh my god, it's actually like, and it, 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 it's the kind of thing like if I was like you, you, this pitch, like AJ, like you or I could make this, and it would be hilarious. It's taking it yeah. so seriously, but, like. The fact that you haven't already brought up that this sounds like a Christian like piece of media yeah. just shows that you have not been a part of the church for your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. It, it sounds like Christ, Christian propaganda against Dungeons and Dragons from the Satanic Panic era of the of the early nineties. Just any any moral yeah. panic, like you know, dramatization of this is how bad it could get. Yeah, but it, it was like, and, and then I went to work the next day, and I had people that are like, "Oh my god, yeah, it changed my life." I deleted my Facebook, and I was like. Did you not just find that insane? Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah, that stuff's kind of cheesy. I'm like, no, it ruins the film. It actually ruins the film. I cannot, like, find anything redeeming other than the stuff I already said. Um, but, like, like it, it's, it's an irredeemable film. So it's I so was stupid. about to delete my Facebook account, and then the dramatization started, and I was like, well, Facebook isn't as bad as this. Oh, my God. It's actually, like, <laughs> it's, it's baffling. And because, because the interviews are really interesting, but it's like the filmmakers just didn't trust their interviews. And they were like, well, we have to add all this stupid shit to it. And it's, it's, like, it's the nerdy friend from Booksmart that's into... Beanie Feldstein's character and the the girl, the love interest from Moonrise Kingdom are the brother and sister. So it's like proper actors or like, you know, actors that at least make you go, oh, I've seen you in something. Actors that have other IMDb credits. (laughs) Yeah, but it is like, oh my God, it's... And this is this was the most disappointing film I've seen all year because everyone Cause told you're me so it would disappointed my life in everyone else yeah. for thinking it's good. And just to, <laughs> yeah. just to clarify, the position of cult pop shit is that social media is evil. However, we I'm like of course it is. Who had to watch a movie to be told that? Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah it, it, it is honestly I'm like I'm gonna create if- six Facebook accounts now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like yeah, I, I don't know how people were had their minds blown by that i don't know Um, how people could live with themselves liking this (laughs) um all right same day though an even more controversial film because there were more people than just me against it um accusations of pedophilia um and 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 um netflix was indicted 
for hosting child pornography, um, Cuties. Um, now, AJ, you quite liked this film, didn't you? AJ, tell us yeah, about man. it. <laughs> Mm. Uh, it's actually called Mignons, which is the um, French title. <laughs> um, look, so I I sort of um, fell into watching this movie based on like being very interested in the twists and turns that the discourse of the dark uh, web took. Oh, no, no, sorry, <laughs> no. So so just just to just to so that the the story the clear story is out in the open, and so that we're not inferring anything from you know. The, you know what is being said and what isn't being said the thing netflix got in trouble for was they commissioned the poster that they advertised the movie mm. with and the the netflix poster is a bunch of um clearly like underaged girls posing um in like beauty pageant well no they're dancers so it's like dance competition garb um ultra sexualized um and the 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 visual language of the poster is very clearly using like sexual shorthands to catch your attention am i making sense like the poster is is, is it's playing on what you know of like sexuality and like yeah it's it's supposed to be a sexy poster and it's like ah got you they're actually underage which yes um is very wrong and they shouldn't have done that um however i looked into the the film because people were talking about and saying it's actually not what people think it is because i thought it was like a a a reality show when i saw that poster um the the french poster is adorable the french poster is a is a is the same girls walking down a cobblestone street holding up a bunch of shopping bags like it's a very sweet um poster i think and and very very well communicates the the idea of coming of age that is the film um a couple of things to consider about this movie um the biggest thing for me is that it's actually directed by a woman and is about um a very uniquely female experience of being over-sexualized at a young age. The film is from the perspective of an 11-year-old Muslim girl um, who becomes very interested in joining her uh, the, the dance troupe that a lot of her school friends are in. And the dancing is very sexual and very um, uncomfortable to watch, but I'm comforted knowing that a lady was the person behind the camera communicating these ideas to these young actresses because in in book form right if this was a book no problem with it whatsoever it's a book about a very real problem and a very real experience the problem is not that the story is about this the problem is that in real life these underaged actresses were you know told to to dance Mm. this way and say these things and it's not like Um, the film is like the film is still shot or like the dancing scenes are still shot with a very uh voyeuristic kind of gaze some 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 of them are some of them are some of them are shot um so that it's not trying to make it sexy but there's one there's like the 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 big scene i imagine people were talking about in the Mm. film which is actually them shooting their own video and the one that they shoot is very uncomfortable um that being said, I think the emotionally the story it communicates is wonderful. Like the the it's on the right side of this argument, basically. Yeah, it's and, just and up the, to you whether or not you're ethically sound with the fact that actresses actually had to do this. I guess it's interesting. Just that I think the translation issue because I think that's probably like you talk about how the the French um, poster was like the imagery was really sweet and lovely and and very very like little girlish and the french word that they used for the title 
was the thing that gives you the kind of connotations of someone as being kind of sexually desirable. So it's a it's a word right. that does translate as pretty, but it's like, it's not just cute. Like the word cuties is like, oh, what a little cutie. Like that's not sexualized as a word. That's not, it doesn't really go into like, we. And, and whereas the French word definitely more apparently has more of the connotations of like, you would say right. that about a woman who you thought was desirable, not a little kid. And so I think in the French post said the word does the work of shocking you. Whereas the decision right. to make the word in the English nice. translation cuties meant that they had to find a way of representing the shock factor in the right. imagery. Hmm. I thought it was a great coming of age story. And I think that in a perfect world where there aren't probably pedophiles watching this movie, there's no good argument against it. Existing. Yeah. I also like, think like it's, it's it's a difference between like French and American sensibilities when it comes to sex and sexuality. Um, yeah, they're, they're very backwards in the US. And about- film. Huh? And, and film and censorship and, and all that exactly. sort of stuff. I yeah. quite liked it. That That's my final word. I actually thought it was quite a good movie. Conjuring Devil Made Me Do It is June 4th next uh, this year. Kingsman, March. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark is uh, March. And that's um, one, of the, well, one of the first films to be released on that Warner Brothers HBO Max um, deal, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we do Anticipated of 2021. Um, yeah. And the Candyman film now has been delayed almost a full year to August 27th. Um, when we last spoke about the trial of the Chicago 7, it was going to be theatrically released on September 25th, um, uh, but then we heard that Netflix was apparently pursuing it. Uh, it did pursue it, and it got it, and it got released on Netflix on that day. Um, and uh, yeah, we just watched it. I just watched it recently. So fucking, I watched it two days ago. Yeah, what a fucking good movie! It was my number five for the year. Jesus Christ, it's so good. It's my number three. I was, I was so entrapped by the like. I, I started watching this movie because we were doing this podcast. Yeah. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when you're um, trademark uh, watching a movie for the podcast, trademark, um, you know that's different from watching a movie. Like it's a job. <laughs> right yeah and so i see put it on on new year's eve at about 1 p.m i was still in my pajamas and was sort of like i'm just gonna sit sit down and have this movie on so that i can say i've seen it um and it <laughs> yeah. started and i was like uh this is you know i feel like this is a courtroom drama it's probably gonna go over my head i'm not gonna understand anything that's like because the first it opens with a montage with that kind of overwhelmed me with a lot of different characters yeah. and a lot of different perspectives and i was like (laughs) i was like i'm not gonna understand this movie whatever i'll just sit down and watch it but within fucking minutes after that fucking aaron sorkin works his dialogue magic and (laughs) i found this so fucking engrossing oh my god it's incredible uh sasha baron cohen is incredible in this mark rylance is incredible oh, in this. So good. eddie redmayne is pretty good in this <laughs> you know um oh <laughs> Eva, it's, joseph it's, gordon levitt um joseph oh, gordon Fr- frank Le- yeah. uh, legendella like lang the judge mm-hmm. um yeah infuriate this is this is this is going to clean up at the Oscars, right? Surely. This is going to... Oh, this will get I mean, Sacha Baron Netflix. Cohen. Hmm. No, but what choice do they have this Well, year? what choice do they have with Marriage Story and The Irishman? Hmm. Yeah, well, well they, they Parasite. Well, they... <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Sacha Baron Cohen has is pro- maybe looking at an Oscar. I would say that. For Best Supporting. 
Yeah, yeah, potentially. Definitely, there would definitely be nominations galore from this film. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you've seen it as well, Jeremy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think of it? Oh, I, I mean, I thought it was phenomenal. Like, I mean, yeah. this this was one of the rare movies that I think is a film that both my wife and I just enjoyed immensely. Mm. Like, and 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 you were just. It's one of those things where there are some. Sometimes you watch a documentary or a movie, and you're like, "Oh man." this is terrible and I should care about this. Yeah, yeah. And then there's movies that are so well made that make you care about something just because of how well made it is and the yeah. filmmakers do such a good job. And this is one of those rare moments where both of them come together and it is mm. electrifying because you're just like, it's real. There's unbelievable injustice and also all of the performances and the writing and the direction are phenomenal yeah i I did see a thing and i i don't necessarily agree with it but it was funny but it said um it's a shame that aaron sorkin's dialogue is wasted on a director like aaron sorkin (laughs) i saw that as well which is interesting because that actually put me off watching it for a while and having watched it now i'm like well it wasn't like incredible directing it wasn't like like if you if you can directly compare it to something like the social network which was written by sorkin but directed by david fitcher yeah or um probably and um steve jobs as well it's very similar to that sure danny boyle yeah, yeah yeah um you know two of the two two really great directors who are you know walk that balance between being stylistic but also appealing appealing to mass audiences mm. i mean it does it's not a very experimentally directed film i would you know call but it, that but it, it lets very... the the dialogue shine yeah and, and also well, crucially it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. much better than molly's game <laughs> <laughs> right like molly no one fucking cared gave a shit about molly's game he, he really mm. should have like waited and done this as his directorial debut because it- yeah well he's been trying to do this for a while apparently but and, and i think right. it also helps is that like obviously you know um you have great performers and 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 a direct great director brings those out but yeah we uh, like i feel like actors like mark rylance and like frank langella um you can just let do the work you know and oh um, my god so- and, like mark, mark rylance this is, is this fun. might be yeah, oh, so this good. might be my favorite Mark Rylance role. I thought mm. he was so fucking good in this movie, man. Yeah, so good. Um, Such a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, and and it, it's infuriating to watch as well. And the fact that it's like mm. this just happened again this year, like <laughs> you know, like like we're still going through the same shit. Oh, like, it might be. It might be the most anti-cop movie, like mainstream movie I've ever seen, which is so funny because it would have been made before the Black Lives Matter protests when like, I feel like that's where the coin flipped, right? Where everyone, like, I feel like being upset. Well, when it became like, like, um, the cool thing or like it became like the, the public, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're being disappointed and law enforcement became a more mainstream yeah. experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this would have been directed before that happened. Well, also it's based uh, on it, a true boy, story from like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But boy, did it, did it come out at a right time. There is not a single cop in this film that's portrayed sympathetically. Because yeah. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin so said like, oh, you know, they were like, did you change this? Because he's been working on it for a long, long time. I said, you know, did you change it to fit the time? And he said, no, like the 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 times changed to fit my script like and that's the sad thing like it's 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 All about the time something didn't that happened change ever you know well it's, it's about the fact that like this is something that happened decades ago and we've just come back to it you know and it's like yeah y- yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 disgusting frankly and also if you look at like the original the actual story of what happened um there's some stuff that 
was um so there's, there's the, the scene where um the the eighth member of the chicago seven who's black um is forced to spend a day in court bound and gagged um for mm. for complaining that he's that he's there without his constitutional right to to an attorney um and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that would actually happen. In real life, he had to do that for a week. The judge said, like, essentially, until his case was thrown out, um, which took a week. He had to come in every day with a gag in his mouth wow. and, and bound to his chair. I think um, this year, in terms of like, and, and we'll come to another one later on in the in the pod. But like, I've I have not spent so much time sitting like on my phone researching the reality yeah, yeah, of yeah. things that, that I'm watching in in, in film and, and television. Was yeah. the other one Borat too? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So Trial of the Chicago Seven, yeah, that, that's definitely going to do well at the Oscars, I think, at least in the nominations. But um, another film that will, might pop up at the Oscars probably only get one nomination though um, for best foreign film is Another Round. Hell yeah, man! Did you see this, Jeremy? I, I've I've never heard of it. Um, so, ah, so fucking good. It's man. Mads Mikkelsen uh, reteaming with the director who made The Hunt. Um, which is a very, a very good movie a few years ago. Um, and this one is about um, a group of friends who one of them reads an article about how man is supposedly born with a, what is the number? 0.01%. Uh, essentially or, blood alcohol level too low. Yeah, they, 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 we're born with a blood alcohol deficit. And so just it's, it's about one or two drinks gets you to what humans should actually like you're unlocking your full potential kind of thing so like you know i i don't play pool well unless i have my second drink yeah exactly yeah. um you're and not it's like, social enough if you don't have yeah your a, a little bit of social lubricant and so it's quite a funny premise but it's a drama <laughs> it's such a it's a hard drama yeah and it's <laughs> like it, it, it does have a lot of moments of levity and it's played very well but you know obviously they descend into alcoholism as would be expected but um yeah, it, it is kind of like it's it's the first half of the movie anyway is like an ode to how confident you feel when you've had one or two drinks, and it's like you're not you're, you're not so even cool. tipsy, you're just a little more confident. I've never seen um, the space between sober and drunk portrayed on film before. You know mm. what I mean? Like it's like it's such a specific thing. And watching Mads Mikkelsen because he's a teacher and his his kind of character story is that his students come to him and say, you are such a boring teacher that we're going to fail our exams. So like there's a scene after he's been drinking a bit um, for this experiment where he like rocks a lesson and he gives them a really cool lesson and he's strutting around the room with the confidence of a slightly drunk person. And then he walks into a door and it's so funny. <laughs> it's so accurate and it's so true mm. uh, I, I thought it was an incredible performance and it's also got probably the best film ending of the year possibly or yeah. one yeah. definitely up there yeah the the ending is very good but um that's another round check it out it'll probably be nominated for best foreign film last nine soho coming out uh, this year venom 2 which we now know is called let there be carnage very cool worst title of the year um <laughs> uh, uh, comes out june uh wonder 1984 we'll come back to it was supposed that was another one that they're like oh october will be fine um and then they had to delay it again and also release it in a weird way another film that we adrian and i have talked about which you can pay five dollars to listen to our thoughts on but american pie presents girls rules um <laughs> finally returning to the universe of american pie um a very I mean, important film for, this one if you want for cole popcher because yeah. 
probably the best video that we've ever made on our YouTube channel, I think anyway, is about this movie before we saw it. And sort of, I, I basically, we basically made a video that was like, how the hell do you do a an, an American Pie film in a post Me Too era when these films no, no longer get made for good reason? Um, and sort of explored about how it's going to be an all-female reboot. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. It, it kind of underperformed, so I would love if more people could see that video, um, even though it's <laughs> admittedly a, a, a not not very good on my part, is that it was almost immediately dated within months when the film came out. Um, <laughs> about a particularly niche piece of content yeah, that yeah. even the studio it, did not bother was, to market at all. It was close to my heart, so I wanted to make yeah. a video. Um, and then the film came out and... <laughs> Uh, I've ranked it 34th out of 39 of the year. <laughs> uh, 30, I wrote it 36th out of 40. <laughs> but like, um, I never, yeah, I mean, I never it, said it, I thought yeah. it would be good. <laughs> I, n- I never <laughs> said that. I never said that. <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, um, it, it, it makes a lot of mistakes you would hope it wouldn't. Um it's it's all about them fighting over one guy, and it's just like I, I you know, what, I've mostly forgotten it. Go, go listen to my immediate I'll say, thoughts I'll say, on I'll our say Patreon. This. If the question is does it uh, does it ach- does it achieve the task of being a more respectful, like feministically respectful movie? Yes, it does achieve the task of being a more feministically respectful movie. Um, it's yeah. there's no nudity in not- it. A high starting point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no nudity in it, which I thought was interesting. That's a first for the series. Um, it does have, have like six scenes in it, but they're not particularly objectifying. And, um, you know, could you could almost argue they're uniquely from the female perspective, which is cool. Uh, but it's not a good movie. Of course it's not a good movie. It was never going to be a good movie. Yeah. The director won't think this is a good movie. And maybe we can ask him that because we're in correspondence with him. So <laughs> maybe that'll happen. <laughs> Although I don't think um, I could ever actually do that. I don't think I could say to a director's face, do you think this is a good movie? <laughs> um. Uh, so another one of the most important movies for this podcast Um came out uh that same week the witches the robert zemeckis <laughs> cover of the witches um so this was one that yeah, was released on hbo max in the u.s it came out in theaters here um and kind of just like i don't think i realized it came out in theaters until i like i saw an ad on the tv saying it was out god like how normy is that eh? i saw it on the side of a bus yeah <laughs> my dad texted me to tell me it was real bad that's how I found out it was out. <laughs> yeah, so if you cast your mind back to the start of last year. I can't possibly. This year has been too long. Well, Let's thankfully not bother. It's Let's not bother. It's <laughs> um, it's, um, so I said, obviously, this movie is going to be bad. Um, and Jeremy, you said it would be good. Well, like, look. And, and we shook hands on the podcast. <laughs> we audibly confirmed that we were shaking hands. I remember the way your hand felt at the time. Of course you do. My um, hand is wonderful. And we bet $10 on whether or not the film Richard, would be good. Do you, did you write down when when this happened in the last podcast? Because I can put an uh, audio I'll find it while Jeremy pulls out his wallet. <laughs> okay, I was, I was going to actually, I was going to say, I'll just put it in from that episode if you tell me where, where I can find it. Um, take a photo of you exchanging... Uh, currency i would love to <laughs> i'm just All right, waiting so for- i live in hope right and look <laughs> Ro- roald dahl is great source material 
And look, we all have a, a place in our hearts for the 1980s, I think, original or not, early 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and and I was like, look, seen. you know, you could do that and you could do it better. Yeah. <sighs> they, they just so decided it's, not it's, to do it's it better. final result was 49% of Rotten Tomatoes. And I think we said sub 70. We was... said certified. I said, I dumbly yeah, certified said fresh. certified. Yeah, fresh that's right. Yeah. When I meant fresh. Not realizing. <laughs> not that it would have made a difference. No, it know? wouldn't have made a difference, but I would have, I would have lost by significantly less. Yeah. Still. Did any um, of us see it? <laughs> uh, Jeremy did. I, I did see it. Oh, you did. Was it good? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Rich is just doing things. Um, so <laughs> where are we? Um, I will put $10 on the fact that it is going to be good, um, uh, and not bad late stages of Zemeckian. Oh, I'll bid. And then AJ, you, you said you'd bid a hundred dollars, but uh, Jeremy, <laughs> I shook hands on $10, uh, at 30, just about 38 minutes into the dumbest looking films of 2020 part two. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so the remake of that, Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's, I think it might fall to, um, yeah, it, it might suffer from some Zemeckian, late Zemeckian All right, well, issues. I will put $10 on the fact that it is going to be good and not bad. Okay. Late stage Zemeckian. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll bet a hundred dollars. Oh, whoa, holy crap! Two hundred. Um, <laughs> no one challenges right, me. Like Richard and I just shook hands. Yeah. So Keith yeah. and I end of the year about whether it's good or bad, and I can't wait for you to love it, but it'd be like critically <laughs> bad, and be like, I I thought it was good, so no, I win no, no, the ten dollars. No. The, the conditions of this is it will go by like critical, general popular, general. Um, it has to get at least sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, not even that. It has to be more than that. It anyway. has to be certified fresh, bitch. Yeah, okay. which is uh, 75. Oh, right, okay. Um, you get fresh and certified fresh. They're different. So, I did see this movie, and almost immediately I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, because like, when the trailer came out, it was all the, like, Zemeckian tropes that we said it was going to yeah. do. It's like... Yeah, like using CGI when you probably should have just used practical effects yes. or puppetry. Like the CGI mice, the fact that it's an it's set in the Everybody Hates Chris universe. Um, oh my gosh, can I just say, when, wait, what? When, I, when I start, like I didn't watch the trailer for a very long time and when I, when I finally did, it was uh, through a conversation with you guys yeah. and I was so blown away by the fact that it was Everybody Hates Chris. Like, yeah. why is Chris Rock narrating this small child's life? Like, yeah. I do not understand. Right. Especially the biggest, the, biggest, <laughs> the biggest problem with that is that in the, mo- in, the, in the book, in the original movie and in this movie, there is a plot point where the boy who's being raised by his grandmother is turned into a mouse and he takes it really well. And the, <laughs> and he basically says to his grandmother, how long do mice live? And she said, well, probably between like, I think it's like six and 10 years. And he's like, that's great. That means that you and I will grow old together and die about the same time, which I have to say for a children's piece of entertainment is very Roald Dahl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little boy character immediately be like, all right, I'm confronting the impending like early death and I'm totally fine with it. Um, but the fact is that this small child makes it a plot point that I am going to die in about 10 years. And then at some point he gets Chris Rock's voice in the future. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> How does that happen? Because he never he's never turned well because like, mice age faster. Well, he's he never turns not like back into a human. He's all he remains a mouse. Really? What? Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys I, never I just, consumed the no, witches just, at all? I've just, I've just looked. No, I've never seen it. I've just looked it up, and I'm devastated to report that mice live for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, two years. So you know, Octavia Spencer is not that old. <laughs> um, but yes, so I mean, basically, what the, the really difficult thing with this movie is that it transports what was a movie set between. Uh, I think Finland or oh no, sorry, Norway. The original was set in Norway, and then I think in, in they went to England for a holiday, um, which is where they encountered the witches in this hotel. Um, and they transplant it to Al- uh, Alabama or Mississippi. Um, they 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 make the characters African American, which is I think a, a cool way of bringing it um, a little bit of freshness and bringing it to an American audience. The problem is that's literally the only change that Robert Zemeckis chose to make. So he then basically repeats bit by bit. He he makes he puts like the the the, the one of the first big scenes, one of the big set piece scenes is quite early on in the movie. All the witches who have gone to this hotel disguised as women, they end up in this ballroom where the Grand High Witch stands on a stage and says, hey, you know, reveal yourselves and take off your wigs and, and your shoes and get relaxed and we can all be witches together. And then she gets super angry, transforms and stuff like that. Literally, it, it, I had watched the beginning of the 1990 version with Angelica Houston playing the Grand High Witch. And it's like they just took beat by beat Set piece by set piece, and I'm talking about literal set elements. Like the stage was exactly the same height, the um, podium that's on the stage, the number of chairs in the room, all laid out exactly the same way. It's like someone just—it's like he traced every frame from the right. original one and just made it's slight like it's rotoscoped. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and the problem with that is it kind of continues through the movie, and very few changes are made to the to the way that the movie feels, and. The, the problem with that is that it's like, you know, Robert Zemeckis can do good films. He, he is an, a certain artist. Yeah, he made fucking Back to the Future. But the problem with this is that when an artist who has a, who, who wants to paint, like, I'll, I'll just say, like, an artist who wants to paint with different colors, he's like, oh, I'll take the same inspiration, but paint, you know, a similar scene with different colors. Right. But it's like he took the different colors and then did a paint by numbers based on the first one rather than actually using his artistic expression to take the inspiration and make something different. It's beautiful. I think he was totally hamstrung by that. And it was obviously of his own making and it was a really stupid decision. Mm. And it was just boring. Like it was, it's, and it's unforgivable to make a boring movie out of a Roald Dahl's, you know, source text because Roald Dahl's awesome. Um, I mean, as a person, not awesome, but like, (laughs) 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 Um, so anyway, Richard, here you are. It's $10. $10. Yay! I'm Physic- so poor right now. I, I fucking need this. <laughs> <laughs> you now are $10 in debt, not $20. Uh, yeah. is, 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 a director, is a great director still a great director if they literally haven't made a great movie in 20 years? Because I feel very comfortable saying that Castaway was Robert Zemeckis' last truly great film. And that was. I think if someone has made. No, don't read that. Uh, I think if someone has has made greatness in the past, I think you always have to say that they they are great. Well, like when he dies, he will be remembered as a great director. I think, mm. yeah. yeah, because sure. of because of what, what he did, even make. just like his his contributions to cinema. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, up next, uh, we're supposed to have Halloween Kills. Uh, that's now coming out a year later. Although we did see a trailer for it. I'm still excited for it. Surprise release. Didn't know this was coming for a while. Uh, Borat subsequent movie film. A sequel to Borat. And as a podcast, possibly the the podcast which most quotes Borat on a regular basis, um, <laughs> 14 nice. years after its release, um, you know, it, I, we were all shocked to to see this um, be willed into existence. Um, Can I talk God. about Borat 2 for the same length that Jeremy talked about The Witches, please? Yes. <laughs> Um, this, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm somewhat ashamed to say it, and I'm as upset as everyone else, this is my number one film of the year. This, um, listen, <laughs> of course Hamilton is a better experience, right? Of course it is. But Borat's subsequent movie film, it feels like Sasha Baron Cohen was like, I'm going to make a movie for AJ. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, and I know, I'm assuming you Do guys- Do it in the I voice. Know, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen's voice or AJ's voice? Uh, no, uh, well, Borat's, Borat's voice. voice. Borat's, I'm, I'm going to make a movie for AJ. <laughs> it's fine. You can do it now. Borat impressions are back on the menu, boys. <laughs> I'm I, waiting for Austin Powers to release a surprise film this year. Yeah, right. Um, I so so um. In preparation for this movie, I rewatched Borat, the first film, for oh, the first time did. in 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah. um, which is a film that um, you can leave maybe 40% of it in 2006 and take the rest to be like, yeah, it still holds up. <laughs> There's some stuff in it that definitely doesn't hold up. And I think um, it forever cursed teenage girls in 2007-ish to be asked how much when they're wearing um, short skirts. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, so it, it does things like that, where it's like a lot of the stuff that Borat added to pop culture and, and regular culture was kind of detrimental, but ultimately its heart is very much in the right place. What it, what it has to say on racism is great. What it has to say on feminism is a little dicey, right? So that's the biggest problem with Borat 1. All these years later, Borat's subsequent movie film comes out and it is a fiercely feminist film. A fiercely feminist film. And I thought this was so good. It was, I thought it'd be good because, um, uh, Who is America came out a couple years earlier, which was Sacha Baron Cohen's TV show where he dressed up as characters. Didn't dress up as Borat, but similar vibe where he interacted with real people mm. and got them to um, admit to all kinds of child slavery and racist beliefs on camera. Um which is what he does, right? Um and at at borderline at borders uh comedy and um like genuine genuine activism, I think. Um and Borat 2 feels almost more like a sequel to Who is America um than Borat 1. But what I will say is the secret weapon of Borat's subsequent movie film is that it's actually incredibly sincere and it has the biggest mm. heart. It's if if Who is America is hatred Borat's subsequent movie film is like forgiveness almost. There's yeah, there it's are like of course sympathy. like yeah, yeah, exactly. There is a there because um, I'm assuming a lot of people have seen it. You guys have both. I know Richard has. Jeremy, did you see it? No, I didn't. Oh, okay, so so there's a part in the movie where they st he stays with two QAnon guys, right? Um, or QAnon believers, I should say, um, and. 
you're expecting it to be like just you know makes them look like idiots it doesn't they actually come across as genuinely nice people who mm. just believe the wrong thing and the movie and, and that's very what much- and that's what sasha baron cohen has said that he's like yeah they, they just kind of caught up in this yeah insane beliefs but they're yeah they're good guys yeah. Yeah, um, and there's another scene where his daughter, who I'll get to in a second, um, get to talking about in a second, she um, says something very graphic in front of a a community of con- uh, a conservative women's group, right? Like Republican conservative women's group. She talks about masturbation in front of them. And again, it's it, almost, it borderline feels like the filmmakers didn't get the reaction they were hoping for from them because the way they react to her is actually very warm and and borderline you go girl right the, the way they react and so it's actually a very sincere and sympathetic somewhat forgiving approach as opposed to who is America but yes uh Maria Bakalava who plays Chuta who is Borat's long lost daughter in this um unironically she should be nominated for best supporting actress she should probably win best supporting actress i thought um if if she was incredible and if you've got you're making a borat sequel and you get the co-star who's practically the main character of the film certainly the heart of the film you get this this person you've never heard of who um is as good at what sasha baron cohen does as sasha baron cohen that is amazing that is a feat i've got so Mm. much to say about borat's subsequent movie film i'm probably going to make a video essay on it uh this year um and talk about sort of what i've talked about here a little bit but i was so so thoroughly impressed with this movie um i've never seen a movie that came come comes out in like the same year as the like global event it's talking about you know like the movie is somewhat Mm. about covid and somewhat about trump and in a way that like Mm. they must have made this in like three months like this got made that's the thing that's that's like the most insane part of it to me because you see the poster for borat subsequent movie film he's got a mask on and it's like oh you know it's about lockdown and all this and you're like oh yeah yeah send borat on the streets to you know to to tackle covid but that happens like an hour into the film Mm. there's like this film was was happening anyway and it's like it was obviously being driven by the election but I, I couldn't believe that this wasn't just a response to lockdown. And it's, they said they were, they were the first film production to be up and running again um, when lockdown happened. But um, yeah, I, I, I was amazed by that. It's definitely, it's a better film in terms of like actually yeah. having a narrative and emotional arcs and payoffs and everything like that. And um, yeah, yeah. this also, other than another round, this is my God, the ending of this film blew me oh, away mind-blowing mind-blowing <laughs> like that, that's the thing is like this is and i might have talked about this before i think uh this is my brand of comedy this is my favorite type of comedy which is an immature idea that communicates something incredibly sincere i'm, I'm currently re-watching american vandal with my flatmates which is the other like benchmark i have mm. for that brand of comedy um this is just i thought this was a perfect film i can't believe i can't believe it exists and i can't believe it came out as quick as it did and i can't believe it's as good as it is yeah. I, I genuinely think this should be taken more seriously than it than it has been, maybe. Or maybe will be remembered as. Yeah. I also love that um it to try and to try and go along with what you're saying, it's like it, it, within the first minute of this film, we see Boy, he's working in like a coal mine, and he goes, 
since the last movie came out, my life has been very nice. Not, and then he's like, off to see my wife, wah wah wee wah. And it's like, <laughs> let's get these all out of the way. Look, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, know yeah. all the catchphrases. Um, and then it's like, let's actually try and do something with this. But we know this is why you turn on the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite, my, my favorite line in it might be. Chuta saying, I'm going to have the biggest titties in the world. <laughs> so funny, man. Oh, Jeremy, you've got to see it, man. It's it's genuinely, I genuinely think it's a great film and a great mm. story as well. If, if it wasn't a great story, I would have nowhere near the reverence I have for it. I'd be like, yeah, it's funny and it's cool. And they totally revealed that Rudy Giuliani is one step away from being a sex pest. But like it's the the story the emotional and the and the fictional story arc of it is legitimately touching um and that's truly its secret weapon is that you go in for my life and you come out with like oh my god my, heart. So <laughs> my daughter <laughs> <laughs> um i i cannot speak highly enough of borat's subsequent movie all right film. i will watch it after the inauguration of joe biden <laughs> that's when i'll be able to start when we're in the clear stuff. finally that's when i'll be right. able to start consuming stuff about american politics <laughs> fair enough oh, it's so good it's genuinely so good number one right. film of the year for me so after that we had the spongebob movie sponge on the run um and this was like cbs all access which is one of a fucking million um <laughs> streaming, uh, services. streaming services uh in the states uh bought that and and held it hostage until next year but it got a theatrical release in canada and then um released on netflix everywhere else uh, which was a surprise to just see it pop up um aj and i watched this we covered it for film franchise follow-ups on the patreon so for just five easy dollars I, I mean i could buy it twice with the money i've just won <laughs> um but um uh i uh yeah you can hear our thoughts on that more in depth but overall it's like it's not it's not very good it's very clearly just they're trying to make um the prequel camp coral or whatever it's called um spongebob's under years um yeah it's 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 an affront to everything steven hillenberg stood for it looks cool though i like the animation style but i would like that animation yeah, it's the style same low anything. frame rate as um as the peanuts movie and into the spider-verse so, um, Eternals, um, <laughs> what's called The Eternals, now it's dropped the the, that's been delayed till Oscar season next year, November, um, Black Widow similarly moved to May, um, oh, what else have we got there, um, Freaky, I watched this today, um, this is the, the same director as, uh, Happy Death Day, um, and it's, you know, Happy Death Day is like a hot, what if, what if Groundhog Day was a horror, Freaky is what a Freaky Friday or more similarly, the hot chick was a horror, yeah. and so it's um, it's a hideous, disgusting girl played by Kath, the beautiful Catherine Newton, um, <laughs> who is just kind of shy, um, and um, no one at school likes her. And there's a bit where they're like talking about because um, their, their school mascot is a beaver. And they talk about like, oh, yeah, beavers, like, you know, vagina kind of thing. And she takes off her mask. They're like, oh, that's the one beaver no one would want to touch. And then she takes off the mask, reveals that it's the gorgeous Catherine Newton. And they go, oh, maybe if you scratched off her face or something like that. Like, you know, you, if you Are you serious? Face, um, yeah, like, like that's the thing. And so it's like, beautiful. What the She doesn't fuck? even have glasses. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, um, it's like, oh, she's got glasses and paint on her overalls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But um, yeah, she's just she's just shy. Oh um, my god, then- that's insane that they the because because there are actresses you could cast in this role. You know, and and they could well, be like who's an ugly actress? Well, mo- movie ugly. You could cast like Barb <laughs> from Stranger Things. She she did movie ugly pretty good in Stranger Things. Yeah, you know, but, um, yeah, or, or or just like make it that like she's, I mean, because the thing is like that popularity in high school is so tied to, um, to attractiveness yeah, yeah. that it's like yeah, you're just genuinely if you're that attractive, you're just one of the popular people. Anyway, um. Yeah, so but she trades places with Vince Vaughn, um, who's the 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 Blissfield butcher, um, and Vince Vaughn. It's a it's another great performance, like Jack Black and Jumanji, where he's playing a teenage girl. Um, and I did th- I did wish they'd given Catherine Newton, but they'd kind of defined um, Vince Vaughn's character a bit more to begin with. He's kind of just like a Jason like serial killer, just very driven, um, and kind of the best moments with him in her body is when she's when like he's in her body pretending to be her and playing the victim. But I wish they'd kind of had more of just cause it's most of it's like, it's more like a Terminator kind of thing. Right. Um, That's so but strange. The one man. thing that this film, yeah, the, the one thing this film um, does amazingly, it's not as strong as happy death day, but I do love that Christopher Landon is kind of like carving out this niche for himself um, doing these like, fun ideas but re- reinvented as horrors um yeah that's cool but there is a scene where a very bashful vince vaughn is like telling a boy or has told a boy that he liked that he's you know she's always been in love with him um and he says well i've always had a crush on you and the spoilers for freaky but they actually make out while he's in vince vaughn's body while she's in vince vaughn's body and it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it's one of those things that's like Oh God, I'm so glad one of these films finally went through with it. Right. And so it's like Vince Vaughn making out with this teenage boy, and it's so funny. Um, nice. But yeah, the freaky. It, it, it's it's worth checking out. It's it's a very much a chuck it on. You'll have a you'll have it on a right time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not and but the, the the kind of lead performance isn't kind of as electric as um, Tree from Happy Death Day. Although the director has said that. Um, Millie, who's the character, and Tree might meet one day because the film ends with Millie going off to college. So maybe that's what he's setting up. A fun horror cinematic universe. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, following that on Netflix, we had Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy, which you were quite looking for because you've read the book, right, Jeremy? Yeah, so I read the book and I like. I think the book has some really valuable things to say. Um, it's not like it's not the best book I've ever read, uh, read but like, you know. It would gen- be the Bible. Yeah. Gen- <laughs> generally um it had quite it sort of made quite an impact when it was released um the movie uh came out on netflix and basically immediately was met with just basically everyone shitting on it <laughs> I, and like, I heard and I'm this not, was like, garbage was what i heard yeah so it, like yeah and and like and, and hillbilly elegy because of of what it is and who it's about it's quite a political film because it's mm. uh, quite a political book because it's basically saying that there are basically these very very poor white people like like rednecks um like mm. classic the definition of where the term redneck came from yeah. um in appalachia and the appalachian mountains would you say they're hillbillies maybe yeah yeah and, and hillbillies rednecks like yeah. but they like in, in, in the movie they make a point about the fact that like they'll call themselves hillbillies and that's kind of a like a it's a um a it's term of, word, no, no 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 it's a term of endearment <laughs> right. but then like redneck is like you don't call us rednecks no one calls us redneck yeah so um 
But essentially, it's just about this boy. Uh, it's a true story of this guy's life, J.D. Vance, and he basically grows up like dirt poor with like uh, really broken family um, and you know drug dependence, uh, drug dependent mother who's on opium and and just no hope in the this town. Is that he's close in the film. Yeah, no, no. His mother is Amy Adams. Oh, right, okay. um, Glenn Close is his grandmother, right. and um, his Mima, um, Mama. Sorry, um, and essentially. Uh, he he ends up going to Yale. Um, um, and it's the classic "pull yourself up by your bootstraps" kind of story. Um, and he genuinely genuinely comes from nothing um, and manages to make it. And he he ends up in these kind of rooms full of people having sort of you know polite conversation over a banquet, all wearing like unbelievably expensive suits. And it's just kind of this thing where they're talking. They find out he's from this sort of mountain community, and they're like, "Oh man, what's it like being with rednecks?" And it's just a genuinely like they're all just laughing at where he comes from. And he's just like, "Yes, there's a lot broken, but also there's you know I'm proud of my family. I'm yeah. proud of who we are." And you you don't understand what you're talking about. And so, so the movie goes all the way to him, like going to Yale or is it? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it goes, it's, it's stuck back. And, and so this is the biggest problem with the movie. And so, and so just to sort of give the overall framework of what I knew before going in, everyone hated this film left and right. So like I, I, I have a, a real diverse range of news sources um, that I have on my Facebook feed and like, the National Review and Slate both had mm-hmm. review, film reviews saying, this is terrible. Like, you know, I was like, okay, so now you know it's bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of went into it knowing that everyone thought it was really terrible and just kind of expecting. And and it's not a well-made movie, but the things that people are sneering at, I, like the performances from Amy Adams and Glenn Close, people are basically like, they're swinging for the fences. It's mm. like scenery chewing. Yeah, when I saw the trailer, I was like, this is... Oscar bait. This is traditional. Totally, Oscar. totally. It's it's absolutely Oscar bait. But I I think that all the problem is laid at the feet of the director. I would not say it's Ron Howard, yeah. and and I would not say the problem is Glenn Close or Amy Adams because I think both of them are actually incredibly impressive. Mm. I really enjoyed both of their performances. The problem is that the director was faced with basically three lifetimes worth of story. And I think a better director could have done a good job of that. Right. And Ron Howard was like well, I'll do a classic kind of like cut back and forth between it all, but he didn't know how to string it together. And so it is a bit of a mess, but I actually did. I think it's one of those cases where you know that everyone thinks a movie's terrible mm. and then you're pleasantly surprised by how kind of okay it is. Yeah. Um, and so I don't by any means think that the movie is really good, but I also don't think it's as bad as everyone's piling on about. Interesting. Nice. Do you think it'll do, it'll show up at the Oscars? No, no. I think that it's been, it's everyone, it's been an embarrassment. And so I don't think it'll get Oscar attention. All right. Thank you for that, Jeremy. Uh, After that, we were supposed to get Raya and the Last Dragon, the latest uh, Disney film, but that's uh, actually been moved to premiere access, the same with the same thing they did with Mulan, but I think it will be theatrical as well uh, in March. Um, We also got a final for that month, same day. No. Later. Anyway, we got uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is uh, Chadwick Boseman's final live action performance. He's recorded some, he recorded some voiceover for um, the Marvel's What If, um, but this is the last time we'll see Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman on screen uh, because of course he tragically passed away this year. Um, this is based on a play. Um, and if you didn't know that going into it, you'll sure as fuck find out very quickly. <laughs> Why are they still um, in the living room? Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 one of those movies where it's like this is clearly made 
to be two locations because uh, it's, it's pretty much all yeah it's pretty much all set in like the recording studio and the like green room um and i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Don't get me wrong. Um, Chadwick Boseman and um, Viola Davis are incredible in this film. And there's a lot of talk that Chadwick Boseman will definitely get nominated but could take home a posthumous oscar for this um and there there is a um there's a sadness to it as well that the whole film is essentially about like he's he's very rambunctious but his whole thing is that like he's like i'm going somewhere man like i've got what it takes and i'm gonna make something of myself you just watch me and then to watch this as his final performance after he's passed away is um is pretty tragic and and viola davis plays ma rainey who's a real person but um this you know tyrant kind of thing but it's um who wrote the play august william august wilson um he he did um fences yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which was violet davis as well yeah yeah uh, reading reviews of it a lot of people are like yeah this is classic august wilson i yeah i find i don't i don't know i i recognize it as as a good movie but there are so many i have so many problems with it and one of those is like there is um, twice in the movie uh, Chadwick Boseman gives an impassioned, unbroken monologue that's shot in about one take. Um, certainly feels like it's shot in one take. And it's like, yes, this is good acting, but also this is Oscar bait. And I can't figure out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like, well, it's, it's very clearly like, his scene yeah it's like cool yeah, now chadwick yeah. you do your thing yeah. yeah now yeah that's what it is it's it's room room is made for an actor to act and it's good acting but it's weird to see a film go everybody be quiet the actor is acting now you know hmm. yeah and it, where it feels like you're you're supposed to clap afterwards yeah yeah which is kind of just like that, that's that's a pitfall of adapting a play i think totally um but it's like and, and it, they're great monologues yeah yeah and you feel for him and he's incredible in the film um, but then also the other thing is like we have to get into spoilers. For uh, it, so we're going to do spoilers, Jeremy? Do you mind? I don't mind. I'm not going to say. Well, it. you can do general spoilers, but like just the fact that there's something that happens. So I can. I'm probably just going to go all out. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how else to explain. I cannot handle. This is a problem with me. I cannot handle when a movie that's not about death or murder, like ends, the stakes aren't life and death. The stakes aren't life and death ends in a murder because the ending of this movie is um Chadwick Boseman's character gets so frustrated with one of the older musicians for because he's basically Chadwick Boseman's just been told by the record producer no we're not going to make your songs that I promised you we'd make um and in a fit of frustration he gets real mad at one of the older jazz players um for standing on his new shoes and he stabs him in the gut and the movie leaves those characters with Chadwick Boseman cradling the the other character being like oh he stood on my shoes what am I gonna do and it's like ah 
because then the next scene, because obviously this is a film that's very much um, talking about race, um, and the next scene is the the record producer who just told him he wasn't going to record his songs. The last scene of the film is a bunch of white dudes recording Chadwick Boseman's song. And that's a great ending. That is that is powerful. Yeah, because no, no, yeah, the record producer says... Um, I won't let you have your band. Yeah, but I'll buy your songs for pennies. Yeah, you know, and then it ends up and and Chadwick Boseman is forced into a corner where you know he's dirt poor. He's just been kicked out of Ma Rainey's band, and he says, "Okay, well, fine, I'll take that deal." Then you see the white men recording a song, and that's a great ending, which communicates the message wonderfully. I I didn't fucking need. Chadwick Boseman to murder a guy I I couldn't handle it and as I say it's a problem with me I just can't I can't like a movie it's that whole jarring tonal shift we talk about with um mm. with just another Christmas a few weeks back where it's like <laughs> I, I just can't handle it I, the, the movie stakes are not life and death as you said and so to take it there I'm just like what I was not like I didn't want this. I didn't want this in the movie. You know, I was, I'm not, I'm not moved by it. I'm not, I'm not, um, like, wow, what an ending. I'm like, huh? The language of this movie is not like, it feels off, you know? Um, Mm. and, and, and it's made even, even, it stings even more because that final scene feels like such a perfect and powerful ending. And I don't think the character or the story gains anything by being, and also he murdered someone. Like I don't think it. I don't think it, it benefits from that. Yeah. And I said this to you because we watched it on the same night. I watched it maybe an hour after you watched it, and I said all this to you, and you and you were like, "Yeah, that's it's very theater. It's a very, and it's so true. It's a very like mm. actors acting thing where it's like, and it ends mm. the yeah, the actors it, get to it, act. It will this. show up at the Oscars, I'm sure. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. not deserve that, but the ending definitely knocked it down a couple of pegs for me. Yeah, it, it was for me. I was like, yeah, this is like a four and a half five star movie and then it was like oh, it's probably like three and a half four um yeah but yeah ex- expect to see the oscars a movie called sound of metal came out on amazon prime did either of you guys hear about this yes i saw nope. you you logged it is it good yeah uh it's very good it's a very good movie it's the last film i watched of the year um it's riz ahmed plays a drummer in a metal band who just essentially has sudden onset of deafness like um and so he goes to, uh, he's got a girlfriend who's the lead singer of his band, um, and he's, you know, to to try and learn to deal with this, he moves in with a with a deaf community while she goes back to live with her her parents in in Paris, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it's one of those movies. It's 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 very interesting because he's a he's a he's now sober, but he's a drug addict, and the movies are about addiction but you don't really realize it till the end kind of thing but it's about his like addiction to hearing and so essentially wow. like the way that he's the whole film he's trying to get his hearing back and not realizing that you can live a very full life as a deaf person um and the way he talks about it and it's like when the kind of pin drops at the end you're like yeah like this is he's been behaving like an addict the whole movie right um and it's 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 gorgeous. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's on Amazon Prime. I'd definitely recommend it. Sweet. Um, cool. But yeah, Riz Ahmed's fantastic. And Olivia Cook plays the girlfriend. Oh, nice. Um, and same day as that, though, December 4th, one of my most anticipated of the year, uh, Mank 
which is David Finch's first film in, in quite a few years since Gone Girl. And uh, this is about uh, Herman Mankiewicz, who's the creator who wrote Citizen Kane. Um, and uh, this is probably the, such a- the biggest movie I, I missed from this lot this year mm. i think because i i don't know if this is something if richard you were telling the story you'd say now aj you famously haven't seen citizen kane i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that's something people know about me i've always wanted to watch citizen kane but mm. i've never gotten around to it um and also if you look if you listen if you if you're an avid follower of both of our youtube channels you will hear aj saying he watched Citizen Kane. <laughs> I accidentally, which I was very confused. I by, accidentally I said I watched Citizen Kane on our recent Vertigo episode of the Cop Option Movie Club when I meant Casablanca because they both start with C and are both similarly regarded. <laughs> so I mixed. I mixed. My and they're words. both old timey movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I all black and white movies look Mank. the same. I skipped Mank because I was like, surely I have to see um, Citizen Kane before I see Mank. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen Citizen Kane a few times. I watched it within the last year and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like David Finch, as I've said before, is my favorite director. I was very much looking forward to this movie, but yeah, for such a, a, a director whose trademark is their specificity and how like controlled everything is, this is just such an unfocused film. It has, Interesting. it's, it's the strongest I've ever felt. Like I've walked into a theater 30 minutes late watching this at home on netflix <laughs> but yeah it's it's like i kind of never really understood what was going on it's all said about it's it's obviously not just about the writing of the film it's it's kind of around what was going on in politics around there um around the time with the the democratic convention and whatnot but yeah really? i kind of just like okay interesting that's not yeah, what i expected but, but, at all by the end of the film, well, because because the whole the whole thing about Citizen Kane is that it's a big me- uh, middle finger to uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was kind of like pre presidency was was said to be the the Trump of of that era, you know, very powerful kind right. of like bit of a dickhead. Um, understatement of the year, right? <laughs> Trump, <laughs> bit of a bit dickhead. Of, of a dickhead. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like you know the 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 the, the uh fall out of that and yeah just the movie it, it's it's so it's shot in black and white and one of the one of the things like one of probably my favorite thing about it um is the score of it was done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who are always fantastic but they rely a lot on on synths mm-hmm. um but they recorded the score on like pre- period appropriate instruments so everything about the film is made that it's supposed to be like this is the film that would have been made in 1940 or whenever um and so <laughs> they dug up the actors who yeah. were alive around then <laughs> um gary old man so there you go <laughs> yeah um yeah gary oldman who's supposed to be the same age as amanda seyfried in this movie um <laughs> and like gary oldman's seven it's just years eurovision older. over all over again <laughs> But so Gary Oldman is seven years older than Herman J. Mankiewicz was when he died 20 years after this movie was set. So he's 27 years older than he's supposed to be. The, the, there's one weird thing about this, and it's one of those things that it, maybe it's just like to a trained ear, but this, there's uh, there's like compression on the sound mix. Yes. And so it, it sounds like an older movie. I've seen people um, people say that it was really distracting, being close 
who will be listening to this mentioned that as like a big thing they found it really distracting. I th- I sort of found it because uh, I didn't. Well, he watched the cinema. I didn't, but um, I just found it as like a oh, that's kind of neat and something I wouldn't have thought I would notice. But the fact that it's like in widescreen and was shot on digital, and I know Netflix apparently doesn't let filmmakers shoot on digital. They sh- doesn't let shoot filmmakers shoot on film. But it's like all these things. It's like if you're going for that, why not go all the way? Mm. Um, because as well, like it has artificial, like you know, the cigarette burns from Fight Club that like show you when you're coming to the end of a reel. It has those, right? But it's, it's digitally sort of edited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mank, that, that that might be my most disappointed year because you know waiting for so long for a new film from David Fincher and then getting that, I was kind of like, ah, ah interesting. So then December 18th was supposed to be a big day for us. June West Side Story coming to America and Uncharted all supposed to come out. That Holy day. shit! Yeah. Till uh, to later the year, and yeah, then... June, June is my most disappointing of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the big hole in my heart where June was supposed to be. June, just the month. That's of June. We, we, That's the... we need to save the, <laughs> the the stuff we're going to talk about with June probably for the most anticipated episode. Yeah, uh, but then Christmas Day this year, um, although Boxing Day for us, um, we got Soul, the 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 second film from Disney Pixar uh, this year, uh, which went was a quote-unquote free release on disney plus mm-hmm. um which kind of like to me proved that the premiere access thing didn't work for milan yes absolutely they, because obviously they don't have to release the numbers for it um oh but, it is yeah, it so is sold. an apology for mulan um yeah um and it's, it's a christmas present I, I, I like this is one of those things i genuinely think this was a nice thing for pixar to do yeah so i was i was I was really looking forward to this because I was thinking about this, Richard. Um, and when we were, when you, me, and Rowan were watching the Disney, it was the Disney Investors live stream. We were all Maybe. watching it. Yeah. Um, and it's it was funny that it, we're we're in a group chat with the three of us, and it's like you're the Marvel guy, Rowan's the Star Wars guy, and I kind of feel like I'm the Pixar guy. And like, obviously, we both. We all like each other's thing as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily like Pixar more than I do. I think I like Pixar more you than you do. Um, and the- I, I 100% disagree. I, but I'll AJ, you I think you can be the Muppets guy. No. No, what? Richard, <laughs> Richard likes Muppets the more than Geo me. The Nat Geo guy? <laughs> Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I yeah I don't know I, I yeah I don't think there's any evidence that you like Pixar more than I do. I think it is absolutely quantifiably. This is a terrible hill to die um, on. Please keep going. The, this. So oh, anyway, <laughs> it, <laughs> I I was looking forward to Soul. Um. We the three of us. I think I can't remember if Jeremy did or not. But Richard, you and I, we both like loved Onward, which was the last Pixar movie that came out this year before Soul. Jeremy's um, nodding. He did as well. Okay, cool. Um, thank well, you. Also, Jeremy. because You're- Onward had the thing of like everyone was like, "Yeah, it's good for a DreamWorks movie." Yeah, people were down on Onward, whereas we all really, really, really loved it. Um, and Soul, kind of somewhat the opposite effect. I shouldn't have started out down because I actually really liked it. I ranked it seventh in mm. my ranking, but I will say well, that- I-, I ranked it fifth just because I think I like Pixar a bit more. Right. Um, well, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> And I, um, I'm. I feel like we're maybe the only people who ranked it below onward. <laughs> um, what did you? I actually. I don't have your ranking in front of me. Uh, no, I, I put it fourth onward. I put eighth. Oh, okay. So you did. So I, I like onward more than Soul. Is my point. Um, and I think, mm. but at the same time, obviously, I still liked Soul. I think that. Um, 
I think this is when people have been talking all this year about how um, oh, this, the cinematic experience cannot be replicated when you're sitting at home watching a movie on a streaming service. This is the only time I've genuinely felt that. I I think mm. I would have liked Soul a lot more had I been able to watch it in a cinema, um, which I didn't feel that for Onward. Yeah. But there was something like, at, you know, three quarters of the way through, I had to pause it because I was getting groceries delivered and they arrived and so I had to pause and think, you know, things like that, where it's like just very distracted, like mildly distracted. I put my phone down for the whole thing, but, but there's still mm. so many distractions watching it at home. Um, mm. And I thought that um, I don't really have anything bad to say. What I, I will say that it's very, it's, it's, it's very mature. I think it's maybe mm. the most mature aimed at kids generally film i've ever seen the the themes it deals yeah, with I, I don't see how it's a kids movie no. other than like oh the cats talking i agree so i i yeah i was away i was away uh for a week with in a house full of five small children under the age of five um and just you and these kids yeah, just, <laughs> their parents were there as well including me as a parent um no so i suggested because because I, I needed to watch soul for this podcast yeah. um i suggested that hey why don't one morning we put on the latest pixar movie and all the parents were like that's great let's do it <laughs> and like literally probably it was about 10 minutes and the kids like just got up and walked away yeah. right they were it like, doesn't, and i was yeah. i was like yeah i don't blame you this movie is clearly not for you <laughs> and it's so strange and and i and it caused me to reflect on the fact that Onward, Soul, and Toy Story 4 all feel like those are the last three Pixar movies, and they all feel distinctly mature, especially in their endings and their messages. And I don't mm. know, it's an interesting. I'm not, it's not even, a, it's, it's like, I wonder if there's a danger to this, if there's a danger to your movies that are aimed at kids very slowly becoming inaccessible to children i love them you know i, I love it that they're so mm. mature but i wonder if they're that we're gonna see any kind of backlash because this this movie is about uh dealing with death and existentialism and your life's purpose and what are you gonna do with your life and it's told from the perspective of a man in his like late 30s and it's like you know with at least with up there was like a childishness to it but this i mean i guess this has a yeah, well, I- everything except for like the star and and you know third act chain um uh, second to third act um change and up is very childish with the that's dogs true and the yeah, yeah 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 and even and inside out deals with really deep stuff but mm. the character it's about a little girl and like the mm. emotion characters are all really fun and like yeah. exuberant and you know they've got lots of energy to them and they're very childish but it's also worth noting that up inside out and soul are all pete doctor yeah yeah and yeah the monsters Inc. yeah and so my my review of soul is like i love this but do kids love this? <laughs> like, I could yeah. easily see this being very boring. Like, midway through the film, he goes to the the afterlife, and everyone's a cute little soul monster, and then he gets, you know, he gets his soul put on a cat. So there is those like childlike, friendly ideas, mm. but they're quite a ways into the movie, um, where it gets, it's like, is this, 
you know it's it's youtube it's it's how you make a youtube video you don't you, you put mm. the most interesting stuff at the start so that people stick around it's how it's why trailers mm. have mini trailers at the start of themselves these days but you at know? the same time like uh, yeah i don't know how much you should let that affect your enjoyment no of i i haven't um it's um, just a, it's just an observation well, you mean you've been going on about it a lot yeah well i just claims, love huh? pixar so much that i want to talk about them oh my to this gosh. extent. um but yeah, no, like like Soul, yeah, I found this. This was a beautiful, beautiful film, and um, you know some great supporting performances from David Diggs, Questlove, and Graham Norton. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, well, Graham Norton was actually fantastic. I, like I was, so, film, I had I no idea he was in it, and I was like, yeah. wait, is that Pirate Man, Graham Norton? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I I love what it does because I I remember having this revelation of like realizing that the because because you know you go like oh like this is like this holiday it's like that's when i get to like really that like that's what life is for Mm. kind of thing and then you're just kind of biding your time between it but realizing that it's like all those little in-between moments like your commute to work um just like eating dinner the stuff you do every day it's like that is your life Yeah, yeah and that's what you should be enjoying and the fact that because I've seen people complain about this that the movie ends with him getting the chance to live again spoilers for Sal um, and saying like well what are you going to do with your life and he says well I don't know what I'm going to do but I'm going to live every minute of it and people are frustrated that you don't actually see what he does with his life but I think that's 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 how the film should end I was reading today that um, there was like alternate endings where we got to see what he'd do or he would we'd see he'd go back to teaching and then he would recognize 22's soul as one of his students. And it's like, no, we shouldn't see what him or 22 do. Yeah, because um, that's what you had the that's, sequel for. <laughs> <laughs> um, the franchise. But um, yeah, like like it's it, it's so much more powerful and it and it tells you the message of because the 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 whole like the twist of the film is that like we don't have a singular purpose. Mm, we have yeah, a reason yeah. to live, but well, it's not but one thing. It's that, not, but that it's not a live. reason to live. It's like we have we have a life spark, and yeah, the life spark, spark yeah. is like actually being willing to have wonder in every element mm. of your day, and not to put all your hopes and dreams into one thing. Yeah. But actually, to you know, to, and it, it's funny. I actually wrote an article about this exact thing like a year ago. Um, but <laughs> it was. Well, it, how did you know about it? Yeah. Came <laughs> um, but I, I, the idea of vocation and the fact that, like, mm. you know, um, so many movies that we see, um, you know, like the the protagonist needs to have this kind of like. I just want to be a dancer cool. and you want to, and you want me to work in the coal mines or like, I just want to do this, you know, creative thing. And everyone's yeah. telling me, no, you have to, you know, get a job and have a family and stuff like that. And it's like this idea that, you know, someone can only be free and kind of fully self-expressed if they are kind of like free to go and pursue this yeah. kind of almost kind of tangential, like creative thing. Yeah. Um, and actually I thought it was really interesting really early on in the movie, you see like, his spark of being able to actually teach other people and mm. see that unlock inside of them is actually something he's incredibly good at and he's gifted at. Yeah. Um, and he he's not appreciating how those things are happening in his everyday life already. Mm. Um, and he's saying, you know, I, my personality yeah. is that of a jazz musician. But I think it, like if the film had ended with seeing him go back to teaching, I think because of like the, the spark thing isn't, it's not like, it's kind of something you have to sit with for a little bit. It's mm. not like, I mean, it does tell you, no, it's not this, it's this. But what that really means to someone, I think, takes a little bit to sink in. But if you, if they just been 
a year later, he's teaching again. He gave up on his dream of like touring because he's now done that show with that woman. Um, but, and then we saw him teaching, you would go, oh, okay, so teaching was his calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. it's like, no, like like living life. This, yeah, and, like and, appre- and appreciating. Spark. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. The abstract designs of the, the characters are some of the most awesome experimental stuff they've done. Like AJ said, this was one of the only times when I felt like I truly wish I saw this on a big screen because the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross score underneath this um, and when he's going up to the great beyond, like God, letting that, like sitting in the front row of a cinema and just letting that like wash over you mm. would have been incredible. Not, I know that sitting in the front row of a cinema isn't normally like an ideal thing to do, <laughs> but the, the idea of it being gigantic would have been. But um, I will say final thought on this is that stop putting Kiwis in things unless they're <laughs> Kiwi movies. I don't want to hear Rachel House's accent. Um, having people go like, Wow, what am I going to do with my life? And they go, the count's off. I can't like th- that's just how my accent sounds, so I can't really exaggerate it. Um, but it's it's insane. Like it, uh, since Taika Waititi got big, we keep seeing Kiwi accents pop up and things, and they're supposed to be the funny one, but they don't say or do anything funny. They just say it in a Kiwi accent. Well, people, and American audiences go, Haha. people think that they can take actors that Taika Waititi has made funny and put them in their movies mm. and they'll do the funny thing yeah. and they forget that it's actually Taika Waititi's like whole vibe yeah. that the rest of the movie needs to be supporting. Yeah. I, I like Rachel House more than I like Julian Dennison. But, yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the like, it takes oh, you we'll out just of take it. the actor. Did you guys notice she plays the same character in this as she does in Hunt for the World of People? Oh, uh, yeah. She was, she, she was deliberately cast because uh, of that. Okay. Yeah. The, um, thing, the thing for me about this is that I definitely did not enjoy this as much as you guys did or maybe oh, I, I, I don't know where i don't aj i don't know where you were with like i'm, I'm fine with the ending i, I was thought the seven ending out was, of 39 w- dude yeah like, like i, was I four out of th- out of 40 i felt like this I movie narratively was was a bit of a mess right like it like i think all the things you've highlighted around the visuals like i was literally like watching it being like Oh, I am blown away by the confidence it takes hmm. to do this in line drawing animation and for it and just to believe that it's gonna come and off. And also like like the the streets are like photorealistic. Yeah, oh same. totally. And and to move between like that kind of like hmm. conceptual line drawing and even how the sparseness of like the sort of soul realm, you know, and using those clear white lines of just, you know, the boxes that hmm. kind of, you know, just using those as spatial kind of forms it was just amazing like yeah. i was generally like it's also like like you would expect the the soul world designs if you're like oh we're setting um a film in the soul world like and lush. the have really cool designs you'd be like oh for toys it's like you can't make toys out of 2d like <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, sure yeah. they will but like um yeah they're, they're not like toy friendly designs yeah which is, totally which is bold as well um but there, there was just there were it, it felt like this movie kind of lurched between things um in mm. terms of the, the the plot and kind of where it was going and also uh the the characters of jerry and terry like terry's whole thing shtick and it's part of what you're saying with rachel house but i think it's actually endemic to the character mm. that there's no particular it's just i'm the accountant I, mm. I i need to find this and and it's just kind of there needs to be a, a, a person or a thing that's trying to bring him back so we'll put this character in and i i feel like it was kind of like the second draft of that character and normally with pixar you feel like it's gone through like 30 drafts yeah, and it's sure. perfect um, and I feel like this 
wasn't that um and it's not what you're used to from pixar and i felt like the movie was a little bit undercooked um i felt yeah and and, and it left me a little bit cold like i didn't it wasn't i wasn't fully drawn into it like i am with things like inside out yeah. Um, and I agree with you, AJ. I think that it, I think the onward was better than this because it made its point better. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. Um, talking to you guys about it now, realizing I don't I don't think I understood this movie as well as you do. <laughs> like you guys talking about the well, ending, that's a surprise. I'm like, oh, okay, right, okay, because I I think I think I'm now realizing I didn't understand it as well, and maybe that affects right. where I ranked it. Because I was like, this is beautiful. I don't really know what it means, but it's beautiful. <laughs> like, so the your life spark, even though you get it from looking at things in life, is not like your vocational, not part of your like vocational well, DNA. It's like, it's the difference between like... Um, it's just what, it's seeing things so that you want to live. Is that what it is? Well, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, you know the joke in Rick and Morty where... Um, <laughs> He makes Finally, a, robot a language pa- I can understand. Go on. <laughs> Where he makes a robot that passes butter. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what is my purpose? And he says, you pass butter. Um, oh, and my he's God. Like, okay. And he's like, what is my purpose? And he goes, you pass butter. And he's like, oh, God. And so it's like, he's quite happy that, you know, oh, cool. I'm good at, <laughs> like, I'm good at passing butter. But realizing that's all I'm meant to do, that's an existential crisis. Yeah. And it's like, it's the same kind of thing of like, you've got a spark for something, but it's not uh, okay. all you have to do. That's strange because my spark will be podcasting and it's all I feel I need to do to be existentially content. <laughs> but the thing is that if you had no relationships, if you couldn't walk mm. down the street, like the whole the whole thing is that he realizes when he when he sees the life that um 22 lived inside of his body and the realizations of how good just right. like the moments of like, you know, like the air that comes out of the subway grate and that like little like a uh, little leaf thing, seed thing that flutters down through the sky. Like and and the wonder and kind of like that's the spark. The spark is being able to look at life with kind of expectation and joy and saying hey you know even though i'm not on stage with dorothea williams right now this is still a great moment that yeah. was a- and i also think it's like like and and use the example of you aj mm. your like spark would be storytelling right which manifests itself in podcast that was that was a devastating insult that turned into a fantastic point jeremy um <laughs> you, you started <laughs> that good. you started that telling me i had no relationships i presume as a joke but then you weaved it into an actual point um and i was like i can't interrupt this to let the listeners at home know that i'm okay that jeremy <laughs> ducked on me no <laughs> the, the point <laughs> is that if you if you only podcasted and didn't have any relationships i'm not saying that you don't <laughs> okay yeah. you just you just inadvertently admitted you don't <laughs> i was i mean i um, was going just, along with the self-deprecation of the joke but it stopped sounding like an insult about a third of the way in but so same day as that, this was um, the first um, foray into the same day release on HBO Max as a theatrical release for for Warner Brothers, which we'll talk about more um, in the next podcast we do most anticipated because it's kind of more relevant to what's coming up. But um, Wonder Woman 1984. Um, did, did any of us have this, AJ, did you have this on your most anticipated? Yes. I had it on mine. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, Jeremy, did you watch it? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
Uh, what do we all think? Three, two, one. Pretty oh, bad. Uh, yeah. All right, let's <laughs> let's get this out of the way. Um, last year, <laughs> last year we all saw the rise of Skywalker together, and Richard uh, did not let, let me live down the fact that um, my immediate <laughs> thoughts on the film weren't as harsh as they would come to be. Um, which is very mm. funny to not let someone live down that fact. I see the comedy in it. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you, you, I unintentionally opened my mouth while my brain was still formulating what I'd just yeah. seen. And so <laughs> I, I, I could sense that this would happen again. Yes. Because because watching Wonder Woman 1984, I had a similar reaction to, I think, what AJ did to Rise of Skywalker. That was like, like, and I'm still kind of toying with my with my feelings for it, but I'm a little bit like, I think my overall experience of watching it was like, I'm enjoying this or parts of this, but there's a lot wrong with this. And I, I wasn't sure which side was going to win. Right. And and so as soon as the movie finished, I was like, AJ, immediate thoughts, because I knew he'd do it again. And I foolishly, and so I, was like, I foolishly and, and I, and complied. <laughs> yeah. And he said, that was great. No, he said, that was the I, best I film did, I've ever seen. I did, did fucking did not. I did fucking not. <laughs> I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was I was I basically could sense through the people we were watching it with and the people who have clearly in the last year forgot movie etiquette because they were talking the whole way through it. Oh, yeah, I could right. sense that I, it felt like I I liked it more than anyone else in the room. Um, and so my yeah. immediate thoughts were, it's not as good as the first one, but there's some great stuff in there. Now, my opinion, that in a vacuum has not changed. My opinion, in so many words, is it's not as good as the first one, and there's some great stuff in it. What that opinion has gone on to develop into is, um, <laughs> there's also some really bad stuff in it. And what actually happened was, like, like I love the first Wonder Woman movie. I thought, I thought it's, I think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think it's breathtaking, and. I, I also really like Patty Jenkins. She made her first film. Yeah, yeah, for the last three years, you've been saying that Patty Jenkins is your favorite director. Sure. Um, and, well, I don't know. I, I like her directing. I don't know if I have a favorite director. Um, and she made a film called Monster as well, which is really good. Um, and so I was really, I had a lot I had a lot riding on this film, I guess, or at least I really wanted to, like, love it, right? <laughs> and yeah. um, and the, the, the problem is, is that, like, I had heard through our Discord, people in our Discord were had already seen it and were saying that it wasn't that great. Um, well, they, they were like watching it like an hour before we went into the yeah, cinema. Yeah. So we saw people be like, this movie's a fucking mess. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we're just, we're like waiting to go into <laughs> yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so immediately I'm on the defense, right? As, 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 mm. as can happen. And I actually worry. I love to fucking contradict our discord. Yeah. Not, not contradict, <laughs> just like a, a defense. It's a director I like and a, and a storyteller I trust, you know? So I'm like wanting mm. to defend it. Um, and I think Richard, I think maybe we need to talk about this. I don't think we foster a very good environment for developing and changing opinion. I think we're very much a friend group that will be like, see, I fucking told you if someone <laughs> changes their mind on a film, which is very troubling to me because I kind of pride myself on being able to do that, being able to change my mind with new information and, you know, uh, not with movies, with like politics and stuff. Um, yeah. Do you know, I, I wasn't going to bring up the fact that I made you give my your immediate thoughts. 
Um, or I was just going to because I, to, to kind of illustrate the way I feel about the film is that I was like, I was very uncertain about it. And it's like, literally, like if everyone around me had been like, yeah, that was better than the first one. I'd be like, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. <laughs> in it. And so it was just very interesting that you were willing to commit to the good half of it immediately. So what? So I'll, Which I'll, I think I'll is I'll just finish. like, and I think that's just the way you watch movies. Mm as well like having done this a few times now i think that's the way you watch movies mm. is that the bad stuff takes a little while to sink in it do- it actually does it legitimately does i remember um seeing rise of skywalker and it opens with the snoke reveal and my brain functionally going you cannot turn off this movie yet you cannot go sour mm. on this yet it's just started it's fine ignore it um and i th- yeah. a similar thing happened in this with um the steve body switch which we'll talk about just in a sec but um, essentially what ended up happening, Richard and Jeremy, um, is that <laughs> while... Wait, I'm here? <laughs> I, 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 the night goes by, right? I go, I go home, I go to sleep, I wake up... Because I- we, we left the, the conversation with with us being like, AJ, like, it was pretty bad. You're like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. I, so I went home, I had to sleep. I checked the Discord, everyone's dunking on it. And you know, I was like, you know what? These are all valid. These are all, <laughs> you're right. You're actually right. And all these things, uh, maybe stuff I didn't think about, but now that people are pointing them out to me, I'm like, yeah, that was bad. And therefore it actually does lessen the movie for me. Like, And it's like, <laughs> there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. There shouldn't be anything wrong with thinking about that. It's just that that people make make it like you have to stick to one opinion and it's like it changed and i think it's worse no it's fine and i think you know maybe 2021 is the year that we accept that but yeah you did send me a a a message the next morning being like look man i've i've put my ranking down a star all of these criticisms are valid please don't make fun of me well because it's 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 an important process for me you know and it's like i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's just we podcast so you maybe say your thoughts let's talk about the movie all right Um, so the movie the movie opens the movie opens with um a a weird kind of olympics on thermoscara and then the movie opens with a movie with a scene at a mall where um where um for some reason diana um who cares it's fucking stupid um (laughs) but anyway (laughs) um but it's it's very clearly two openings, and I read an interview with Patty Jenkins today where she says she fought tooth and nail with the studio to keep both of them in because they said you have to get rid of one. Oh, Lord, um, the studio was right. <laughs> yeah, like that's a genuine time. Get I'm rid like, of yeah, both no, of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what happens in this movie? The the kind of the MacGuffin of the film is the wishing a, stone. a rock that makes you... If you touch it, you could wish, but it's a monkey's paw thing where something gets taken away from you. Um, and then, and what I thought was a great twist, um, Pedro Pascal's character is touching the wishing stone and wishes to become the wishing stone. I was like, what a good fucking idea. And what and what a great way to make the plot so much more interesting than, than oh, we have to get the rock. No, wait, now he is the rock, so we have to get it off him. Um, and and it, like, it, it's a it's a cool superpower as well. Yeah, yeah. I would also, I'd also add to that and say that Pedro Pascal, 
is the best part of the movie, I thought. And I think that mm. um, I, I, I read a one tweet, one interpretation saying, is Max Lord the main character of Wonder Woman 1984? And I was like, what a cool perspective that brings. Because mm, well, I, it's not called Max Lord 1984, <laughs> is it? Well, I really liked watching a movie where the villain has more visual, visible struggling to do than the hero. Mm. Like he's he's literally falling apart because with each wish he like, is you know it's taking power away from him, taking his yeah. health away, and so it's really fun to see someone like Pedro Pascal, who usually plays quite clean, um, and you know, um, like like the Mandalorian is very serious, and well, he plays like cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. And to see him like bloodshot in one eye, blood dripping out his nose, being like, "What do you wish for?" It was like this is cool. This is a great performance and a great mm. character. Um, and maybe now the only thing I actually like about the movie. <laughs> it's also funny as well that um, because Disney Plus dropped a behind-the-scenes doc on Mandalorian on Christmas Day and Netflix released We Can Be Heroes, the Robert Rodriguez film, that um, all three released a Pedro Pascal project and, and HBO Max um, released Pedro Pascal um, projects on the same day. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the the Steve problem. The steaming pile of Steve at so, the center of this movie. So if you haven't seen it, and for some reason are listening this this far, and the the conversation that's happening a lot, and it's it's very similar to um what was Finn going to tell Ray in the Rise of Skywalker, like setting up a Chekhov's gun that never really got fired. Um, Steve Diana wishes that. Steve can come back from the dead, which I don't think she wishes out loud. No, which, we just no. see her close her eyes. Which yeah, we feels, see her touch the rock. Which then, feels yeah. like number one on the inconsistency because everyone else has to actually say their wish out loud. Um, so, but he comes back. Mm, uh, no, I, I, I don't, I don't okay, think that's fair necessarily enough. in the show. So he comes yeah. back, but he's in another guy's body and Diana you know begins to see him as steve and we see him as steve but the whole movie you're supposed to be like kind of aware that he's quantum leaped into another body yeah which, and, and someone and everyone else is seeing him as someone else yeah which isn't necessarily um it's like okay that's an interesting way to do it but number one they don't really do anything about it they don't like to me that's a conversation about the moral ramifications of stealing someone's life they don't have that conversation and then there are other wishes wished later in the film which don't take something from the world a a wall just rises up in the middle east and Mm. and people just disappear or drop dead or whatever and it's like the monkey's paw thing is supposed to be like it takes something from you and what wishing Mm. Steve back to life takes from Diana is her powers slowly. But I Mm. thought the monkey's poor thing was that it takes someone else's body. Until the halfway point of the movie, I'm like, right, so they're going to meet this guy's family and it's going to be this morality tale about how, like, she has to leave behind Steve. She has to renounce her And also, like, like, because the film, uh, up until the wall appears out of nowhere, all the wishes are, like, spirit based it's someone changing their mind or the spirit of steve overcoming this guy so it's all it's all to do with like or someone coming in and going like oh i have an, I have a free coffee yeah and it's like he might have had two and just changed his mind that oh this one's free i was meant to give it to someone it's else. kind of like the felix right. felicius potion in harry potter like yeah. everything's just a bit more lucky but there's nothing that's actually like willed into existence until the wall it could be logically explained is what you're saying yeah. yeah, except um, for Steve coming back. Yeah. But then, yeah, Steve coming back, and then obviously there's a bit with Diane and Steve have sex, and so she's essentially like had non-consensual sex with an unwilling body. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's right by deception. You could, yeah, you argue that the, the the brain inside of it 
is consenting, but the body, yeah, it's, 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 it's like you're applying rules of consent to a completely like impossible situation. Yeah, but that's where- the thing. It's like it's like the, the the whole film it poses these moral quandaries, but never got, never does anything with that. And then she meets the guy at the end, and it's like, I know what your dick looks like. <laughs> the the film, <laughs> and it's like that's never brought up. The film is unaware that it's posing moral quandaries, and is instead focused on um, moral quandaries that aren't actually that bad. Because um, I'll say it: the Max, for as good as the Max Lord storyline is, the his ending fucking sucks. He he should have been. Killed. They, they should have killed Max Lord, but instead he gets a happy ending where he goes back to America in the blink of an eye, and his son runs out of the trees, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, um, giving him a son was a weird." Yeah, choice. the same interview with Patty Jenkins talks about how um, there's like a. I was talking about not killing him, and she says that she's really proud of how his his final scene and how his arc ends. Her star is really falling in my eyes, man, because that's a character you kill. That's a character yeah. who has has sinned too much for redemption because like does he go to prison? Does is <laughs> mm. does is he crippled by the the moral implications of what he's done? Like like when when he when the son is first introduced, like literally I remember sitting there being like, "Crap, why does he have a son?" Yeah. Like this, this character should not have a son because he's he's the bad guy. Like yeah. I was like, this isn't like the son is cute and and lovely, and he seems to be a relatively decent father who's motivated by wanting to make his son's life better. Hmm. This is this is too complex. Well, yeah, it's 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 like trying to do a sympathetic thing, but I would rather if he was just like a um more like Doc Ock and Spider Man Two, where it's like he just realizes the error of his ways at the end. He doesn't need to have like yeah. Uh, the, the son uh, is you know, the son is a plot human. device. He's literally he doesn't a plot need device. to be defeated. It, yeah. The son is used to make him turn good again at the end. That's the only yeah. thing it's used for. Um, and um, yeah, so the, and the rules of the wish. You mentioned the 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 her not saying it out loud thing, but the rules of the wish stone are insane. Mm. And that like there, there's the film ends with him being able to broadcast to every TV in the world and say like, "Tell me your wish," and I'll and the end he'll be able to grant them all, giving him like, you know, enormous power. But there's a line earlier on that says someone, someone refers to like beaming into people's televisions as like touching them. And it's such a like, oh, we did say you have to touch the stone. And it's like, oh, well, in a way he's like touching yeah. them by being now, on their TV. The, the magic of the stone cares for metaphor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, then it cares for Chekhov's guns. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The, the, the film ends and it's like, it is cool that it doesn't have this kind of, big beat em up cgi thing at the end of the film like the first one did but it's cheated. Um, <laughs> yeah I mean, it does have it does both, have, uh, uh, you know both one wonder- year after cats doing <laughs> it, literally one year after cats came out doing the exact same character design um and she also just disappears um well, that's the, both, both wonder die. woman films have the same villain problem that like they establish a cooler interpretation of a comic book classic but because yeah, yeah. of comic book mandate says that no you have to do cheetah like yeah. and i understand that you're adapting the character but if in the film was just a film it is bananas that, yeah. that Barbara turns into a cheetah. Why is she turned into a cheetah? Um, but, yeah, so he he renounces the wish to everyone, and then, uh, or he he gives everyone their wishes, and then Diana wraps her lasso of truth around him, which uh, we're shown earlier in the movie can show you the truth, um, and then 
we see what happens if everyone says their wishes and Diana says, everyone renounce your wish um, so the world doesn't end. And then turns out the lasso of truth, instead of just showing Pedro Pascal the truth and doing like a Breaking Dawn part two thing, which would have made a lot more sense, um, it just allows her to broadcast to the entire world. Um, and then she convinces every single person in the world to renounce their wish, which is insane. Like, because it talks about if the if the stone is destroyed, all the wishes will be gone. And Max Lord renounces his wish to become the stone, thus destroying the stone. And I was like, okay, cool. That would renounce all other wishes. Or kill but him. No. Or kill him, right? Yeah. Um, but no, we're told that everyone in the world... So there's it ends in a... Because it takes place during the Cold War. It ends with... Russia and America nuking each other at the same time. And the American president, who I guess is supposed to be Reagan, um, renounces his wish for more nukes. And the nukes disappear um, on their way to Russia. But Russia was still bombing the US. They didn't <laughs> wish for nukes. Theirs wouldn't disappear. It, it's insane. And, and like, it gets too it big was... for its britches, basically. There's too, there's too many implications and ramifications. Yeah. And, oh, um, the problem starts so much earlier than that, though. Like, there's yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. so many inconsistencies. Like, when, when they go up on, the, I mean, the fact that he can fly like an F 17 or F whatever it is. Oh, jet. yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I flew on... propeller planes 70 years ago. Yeah, exactly. He just, and he just gets in, and that's fine. But then. He's like she's he. They're going along, and she's kind of introducing him to all the things that are now now around in the 1980s. He points at fireworks, which have famously been around <laughs> since ancient Chinese times, and he goes, "What's that?" And she's like, "It's fireworks." And he goes, "Let's fly into them." <laughs> <laughs> Just flying through fire. Uh, I was like, "I get you want to make a cinematic experience, yeah. but seriously, people, this is a like a war hardened vet. Mm. Like he knows." what like explosives in the sky mean yeah and also like i'm sorry like so okay everyone in this movie is great except for gal gadot um who, who would have thought that her best performance this year would be the imagine video <laughs> um but um yeah like, like like she's just especially when she's surrounded by such great people. i thought kristen wig was fantastic there's a couple of shots when she's supposed to look menacing and it's like you were kristen wig but um <laughs> yeah. and she also like, goes her, from her, nerdy to just a earlier in the podcast you said there's another example of someone taking off their glasses and becoming hot this is that other example so and, and, and freaky, actually she did a good job she did a good job of take <laughs> Um, but um, no, I, I actually really believed her descent and the way it was like you could tell the wish was messing with her. Um, I, th- I thought that was really was really well done. Um, I know a lot of people didn't, but there's um, so you yeah, like the other the 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 Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro Pascal all like great in this movie. I thought, but um, yeah, there's there's a scene, and AJ was annoyed at me in the cinema for laughing at this. But when when she renounces her wish and runs away from Steve Trevor, um, and she's like crying and running at the same time, and I I, I snickered, and I was like, and because AJ said you know at the time he thought it was a powerful scene, and he was like, yeah, you fucking snickered, and I was like. <laughs> It was funny, but then <laughs> I'm she sorry, jumps up I into have the a heart, and I found it. <laughs> but then she jumps up into the sky and remembers, because um, Steve's like, "Oh, flying's easy. It's just you know, 
it's just flying and then she remembers like oh flying is easy you can just fly now <laughs> oh it's my such God. a it's such a lazy way of doing it and then the coolest part of because that fucking first trailer with the um new order blue monday um remix was fantastic and there's the real cool bit where she lassoes the lightning and is riding that by that point in the movie she can fly she didn't need to do that <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> This, the, the, there's a lot you could nitpick of this film, but there is a lot of it as well that's rotten to the core. But um, I, I, to be fair, though, I did like, yeah, like I said, the the kind of the idea of the villain I actually liked. Yes. Yeah. I, I genuinely think this was a movie that was more in love with its villains than it was its main character. Yeah. Like the yeah. movie really wanted to be about Barbara and Pedro Pascal's character. Like, and, and, and they were the most interesting parts of it because Steve is so one note as it, like, I mean, there's nothing to him. He's just a wish fulfillment for her really. Yeah. And, 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 and like, I, I, I'm not a huge like because people are like oh it's, you, you should he's dead you, like if he was so good on the first one it's like I I didn't see the problem with bringing him back and finding like some comic booky way to bring him back the way they did it I was like oh that's really weird and and they should have gone into it more like we've already talked about but same with them we're like bringing Colin Firth back and Kingsman two I was like yeah it was great the first one let's just let's go for another ride um, but the um, it, it, you by by the time this movie rolls around you are a little bit like. You're you're really hung up on a dude you knew for a week seventy years ago. Totally, and 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 the and the actually, fact that she's still hung up on him in Justice League as well. And and Chris Pine is just not enough anymore. Like <laughs> like he's not a big enough star to like. What has he done recently? And he's a Wonder Woman. A couple. Of years. <laughs> I just like he's not enough of a character that we all love I to bring him. back to like. Yeah, I I I I, I agree with AJ. I don't know that. if they needed to bring him back, but I liked him. But the, 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 their chemistry in the first one was the best part. Yeah, but I think that you give Wonder Woman like another sidekick. You get you bring in mm. another person who's a, like make Barbara her sidekick for a while, or like mm. you know just I I thought that bending the rules of the world so intensely yeah. just to bring back Chris Pine to be next to Gal Gadot yeah, for the whole yeah. movie yeah, man. was just not worth it. Mm. Well, because um, in, in the in the comic books, I believe Max Lord's character deals with like brainwashing and whatnot and so it seemed like the obvious thing was going to be that he was somehow brainwashing diane into believing that she was seeing trevor right um and then the fact that's like oh no he's possessed someone else's body i was like that's such a weird way to do it yeah um but yeah because it was like a figment of the imagination thing it's a bit overdone but i wouldn't necessarily mind it um but anyway to wrap up on wonder woman 84 we are uh, Wonder Woman 3 has been officially announced Patty Jenkins is returning and it's being fast tracked so it might not take as long to get here um, and then she's also hinted that she's doing Wonder Woman 4 as well after hinting a couple of weeks ago wow. that she was done with the franchise alright thank you very much for listening to the most disappointing films of 2020 part 3 and part 1 and 2 as well uh, I hope you all enjoyed it I hope you all agreed or disagreed with us whatever gets us more engagement and you can of course chat to us about your your ideas and what you think is the most disappointing film of, of 2020 on the Cult Popshire Discord which you'll find a link to in the description along with links to our Facebook our Twitter our Instagram um, our YouTube channels 
all the places where you can contact Cult Popture or where you can support Cult Popture um, by subscribing or liking or following or whatever it is. And you can also support us monetarily over at patreon.com slash cultpopture. Um, and stay tuned for the post-credits scene, which is another thing that is related to the Patreon. Here it is, everybody. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Alrighty, thank you for listening to that last episode and sorry for the abrupt ending that led into an outro that then led back into this <laughs> segment where Richard is back. Richard is back, and, hey, but Jeremy's not here, he's gone. Jeremy's been gone for weeks. <laughs> this is our post credit sequence where at the end of each episode, um, if you pay $5 or more, I shouldn't say pay, I should say donate. That's such give. a, that you yeah, give. If you um, allow us to take more. from you. <laughs> on patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in the post credit scene and today's post credit scene comes to us from isaac and he asks what is your guy's favorite meal to make yourselves um, richard what is your favorite meal to make yourself if i may be so bold as to ask my favorite thing to make myself is so my two favorite foods in the world are frank's red hot sauce and old el paso burrito seasoning um and fortunately there's a meal that allows me to make both of those and that is burritos um so i i like to um take the burrito seasoning it recommends that you just kind of like coat the chicken in it and then cook that what i do i cook the chicken or like seal it fully put then put this the spice mix on top and then put some water in and so it makes like a paste um and then so I'm just on like diced chicken and then chuck some cheese, chuck some hot sauce, just wrap that up into a tortilla. you got a burrito and it's fucking delicious. I'm about to go make exactly that, except not with the, probably just with the seasoning in the actual packet. Nice. Because um, I don't have the old El Paso, but yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, are they burritos or enchiladas? What's the difference? Uh, Well, enchiladas, you know, is like when you roll it up, they have a different mix on them a more kind of like salsa mix um and right. you use you you're supposed to use like minced chicken um and uh, then you roll them up a bunch in a row put some more salsa on top of it and some cheese and then so you've got these like tightly packed burritos are like a self-contained unit right. like what we well, what we have uh, is as pies in new zealand like you can just go to any petrol station get a pie and it's a very quick meal often a quick breakfast um i had an american friend over uh, last year, so although the year before must have been because of COVID. Um, but um, he got a gas station pie and was like, because, you know, he'd never had a pie before. I'm like, oh, you have to try one. Um, and was like, oh, this is just kind of a gas station burrito. Like, this is the equivalent. Like, this is right. what I would get. Um, so I thought that was interesting because I, I, you know, love a good burrito. Mm, so, yeah, I'm probably going to make enchiladas after we finish talking tonight. Um, but... Uh, beyond making enchiladas, uh, which is a meal I make once every five days, <laughs> um, uh, I also um, I've got so I. <laughs> this is something that not a lot of people do like, but I like, um, and that is it's because of my grandparents growing up. Whenever I go see my grandparents, they'd get like a white bun or or white bread roll, um, and just put margarine plastic cheese and either ham or luncheon in it oh, yeah. um 
occasionally it would get maybe some relish, some mayonnaise, something like that. Um, and because of that, because of that association, like I've been eating luncheon and plastic cheese sandwiches all week. And <laughs> it's it tastes so good to me. And everyone I know is like, AJ, luncheon is disgusting. Well, l- luncheon, luncheon, which, luncheon is essentially spam? bologna. Right, yeah, it's like a it's it's somewhere between spam and bologna, I think. Um, I might get that wrong. Um, I feel like we might have actually talked about this on the post credit scene before. Now that we're saying this, <laughs> um, so apologies if this is a, a repeat. But I love luncheon and cheese sandwiches. Yeah, um, it's, it's and- yeah, it's it's worse than bologna. Apparently, it's called Devon. Um, <laughs> not to be confused with bologna sausage. Um, I, I think no, they yeah, are I- similar. I think. I think I just think that um, I may I may be the person who likes this this type of food more than anyone else in the world, and the cheaper the ingredients, the better the sandwich. You know, yeah. I don't need expensive. In fact, it'll ruin it if you put something expensive in yeah. there. Oh, do you know that luncheon is apparently exclusive to northern areas of New Zealand? I mean, you're in the South Island, so. That's that, but it's it's a very New Zealand thing. But yeah, what we're talking about is bologna. That that kind of very processed, mm. probably made into some kind of paste, packed mm. into a sausage, and then you know, oh cooked, my god, and then yeah, it's disgusting. It's I hate delicious. it. <laughs> I, I love it so much, and don't don't ruin it with expensive ingredients. That's my advice if you're thinking of going out and trying a bologna sandwich. It's <laughs> something that only I. <laughs> ever had um so there you go thanks guys and thank you isaac for such a wonderful question that allows me to out to, myself to, to make myself hungry Cretan. it's dinner time <laughs> i'm gonna make some dinner sweet burritos uh i don't know i do have chicken i don't know if i have burrito mix but uh godspeed man i'll let you know godspeed <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 